Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2 Episode 8, it's called A Matter of Honor. So full spoilers for the episode as always. So this one is a bit of an exchange program um, between various Starfleet ships, uh, not one for one swaps, it's just, just kind of like one goes to another ship. Uh, just go and visit and see how it goes. Because the Enterprise gets a, a Benzite. Um, what was his name here? Uh, Menden, Ensign Menden. Uh, he comes aboard. Wesley's very racist and can't tell the dif- difference between him and the other Benzite that he met back in his uh, academy Pretty visit. much. He's like, how do you tell each other apart? And he's just like, you just do. Yeah. Um, admittedly, I think, I think the episode is telling us that no, they are literally identical looking, so it is difficult, but it, just, yeah. it came off as a really weird scene. And I, I don't know what they were trying to do with it, but it was a really weird scene. Um, but the main plot of the episode is that uh, Riker volunteers to go to a Klingon ship and becomes the first officer uh, in a temporary basis on a Klingon ship, the Pach, if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> Probably not, but... It was in the ballpark. It was, P- was an effort. It was P... P-A-G-H, but they had more of a harsh sound at the end. It wasn't just very guttural, Klingon, isn't it? Um, I I bet people who speak Hebrew would do great with Klingon. Probably. Hebrew's got a very... I'll be honest, I think you have a bit of an advantage, you know, as a a Scot, you know, with the, you know, because you have, like, a lot of uh, harsh vowels at the end of words, especially when you have, like, C-H's. Uh, I feel like that kind of fits into that same kind of guttural sound that this has here. It's in the ballpark. It's not quite the same. It's just not the same, but it's kind of it's closer than than what some people would get. Pa. Hmm. Pa. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, no, uh, no, 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 wasn't it? <laughs> so um, that is uh, that is the, the gist of this episode. So I'll ask the question: Car, did you enjoy uh, Matter of Honor? Very much, actually. No, this is this is maybe the best episode we've had so far. It's uh, yeah. it, it it not just because it's dealing with Klingons, although that definitely was exciting because it's like, hey, Klingons, we're we're doing some Klingon stuff. Um, but you know, it it gave us an interesting premise because obviously, as soon as Raker's on the Klingon ship, you know that eventually the Klingon ship and the Enterprise are going to be in some kind of conflict or some kind of standoff, and it's going to put Raker in this difficult position because he takes a north to be. Uh, honourable to the the captain of the Klingon ship, but of course he's also bound by by his honour to to the Enterprise and Starfleet. So yeah. um, it's obviously going to put him in that position, but it's a chance to learn a bit more about Klingons, learn a bit more about humans. Uh, not that we need to do that necessarily, but the Klingons learn a bit more about humans is what I mean. Um, and the Benzite, of course, also has a, a bit that feeds into the main plot as well, um, which again kind of teaches a bit more about how Benzites work and how they function. So a bit more mythology in that sense. Um, so no, it was a solid episode. Um, but most importantly, most importantly, the the second officer, uh, the second Klingon, because yeah, obviously there's a captain, there's yeah. a first officer, which Raker kind of becomes, and there's a second officer who, when uh, Raker first boards the ship, uh, he kind of confronts him a little bit, and Raker realizing that he has to show us, uh, you know, uh, some force, show strength, some yeah. show some strength, uh, to be taken seriously on the Klingon ship because of how they operate, how they think, how they respect each other. Uh, Raker tackles them and does it has a bit of a fight with him uh to assert his dominance as you do that klingon that second officer is played by brian thompson 
who you may know from two different characters on the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, he was, of course, Luke in the first two episodes. That's Welcome to Hellmouth and The Harvest. He was also the judge in Innocence in season two. Uh, also notably, he was one of the punks in the first Terminator uh, that Arnold took his clothes from. Uh, so, Brian Thompson. You know, as soon as you said that Klingon, I went, oh, God's sake, I know where this is going. You didn't even say oh, the, anything about the actor yet. You just said that Klingon, and it was the inflection in your voice. <laughs> I knew exactly what bullshit you were about to spill into. And you know, the great thing about it was is I didn't know it was him and I just saw his face. It was when he started talking, it was it was the mouth. When his mouth started moving, I was like, Oh, that's Brian Thompson, I can I can spot my mail. Uh, you sad bastard. Especially since the, those two buffy roles he had makeup on, but, but his mouth was still obviously uh moving. Usable. Yes. So no, there you go. Uh so that, that was a this is an important episode for that reason. This is the second, I believe, Buffy actor we've had on the show, of course, we had Principal Snyder, Armin Shimmerman, uh, in season one. Yeah, uh, he played one of the uh, the Ferengi, of course. So, you know, uh, bit of a trend going here. Bit of a trend. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time. You're looking far too smug. I don't like it. <laughs> because sometimes they just hammer the Buffy reference on a platter, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Easy, Do you easy. have to make it the very first point though? Like, could you not like have waited till? Till we naturally got to that, you just like you sped through everything you did then just to get to that point. You you did the bare minimum of what you had to so that you could say that, didn't you? Well, let's go back then. Let's go back to the start of the episode and uh, set things up. So uh, we mentioned this, the scene with Wesley, the Benzite arriving, um, him taking duty. But Riker and Picard are doing some hollow deck video game stuff. They're they're, they're... a little bit of a competition. Yes. Uh, Visually quite interesting. Yeah, they're they're on this circle, split in half, like a, a yellow side and a blue side. I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, this is a, an interesting looking setup. There. What was funny about this is that, like, I feel this is something that would actually be better now, just in the sense that I feel like these, you know, you know, John, John like Patrick Stewart's the first I'm looking for the name I'm looking for. I was just I was trying. To, I kept I kept almost saying John Luke again like three times. No, I'm trying to say Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, uh, especially, you know, being in his 40s, you know, in, in this late 80s time of, of making this episode, I have to imagine he probably never touched a video game in his life. I feel like, I feel like if you did this today, just because the people in it would have a better understanding of video games, it may feel a bit more natural. You know, even if it's still a fake setup in terms of, you know, it's like not Maybe, a thing we have. To me, this didn't actually feel uh, feel as video gamey. As, as what you're suggesting. Maybe that is just they did a really piss-poor job of it. Um, but to me, this felt more like... More like they were playing, like, you know, like a game of squash. You know, or like, you know, like, but like combined with, like, you know, clay pigeon shooting. <laughs> no, I get why you're saying that, but I think that's what made it feel weird to me, is the, the body language. The, the way that Picard was casually, like, talking about what's going on in the ship as, as they're in between shots... It felt, it's almost like the, the, the dialogue here, it was in, in a modern day setting, would be like two people talking over voice chat as they're playing a game. Because you can do that when you're playing a video game. Um, you can, but again, I don't think you can't that's do, that. You, you can't do that during squash. You, you, the ball's coming back too often for that. All right, fine. All right, well, I'll go back to the, the, the clay pigeon shooting. You know, <laughs> okay. you, have a, you, have a, you have a little bit of, you know, a chat every time you take your shot, and then you, you, you chat, you, you're reloading, you're bantering, uh -huh. next shot. 
this is a little bit more fast paced than that. Don't get me wrong, but I think the the, the kind of the this was more was Space there. Invaders. Come on, no, this was a video game. Only by circumstance. What do you mean only by circumstance? Oh, almost everything you could describe as an activity, is, as soon as you put it into digital graphics and you're playing it that way, it is a video game. It, it's not like it's not like if um they were playing FIFA, no. you'd sit and go, no, 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 this is just like football. This isn't a video game. They're playing football. No, sure, no, 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 sure. no, no. No, no, no. But my point here is they literally have phases. They are there shooting at things flying past them. It's you know we we've see, we've seen how often in the holiday these things are real enough. This was less video game and more just simulation of a shooting range. Sure. It's it's, it's not, only it's a video, a video game. game in the sense that it was digital. It's but, not a video game. Come on. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're they're clearly doing this. I mean, sure, maybe a practice as well. But just because it's a video game doesn't mean they can't offer that. It was it's not like. Um, like, cause some, I mean, some, I mean, you just tell us only Wii Sports, like that, 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 like that's barely a video game, but it's still a video game, like you know, because all that's doing is simulating the thing. <laughs> no, it is, it is, but this is a lot. This is so real as simulating the thing that I think it transcends beyond just okay, this is a video game. There's no, nothing to it beyond just the simulation. And again, it's different to the simulation of something like you know, like FIFA, where. There's still a, a separate control input. This is doing the same physical action. As okay, here's, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Do when you watch this scene, did this feel like something they have to do, or something they're doing socially? Socially, but th that's the same as being in a, you know my my whole thing with the the like at the shooting range. It's a social thing. Well, yeah, but. Like, like, I'm not sure what your point is there, though. Like, like the shooting's still a game. This is a game been played with graphics, therefore it is a video game. <laughs> no, it is. I agree in technicality. Pong, Pong's a video game, and all Pong is is just simple, basic tennis. <laughs> no, in technicality, yes. In the way that they're treating it in the scene, I don't think they're treating it as a gaming session. You know, like you're, you're going, oh, you know, they're... they're this feels weirdly written because it was, you know, at the time, these people have probably not played a lot of games. To me, I don't think that's what they were going for. That's not for what I said, all. but whatever. So, well, I, I, just, I don't think that was what the feeling it was meant to be evoking. It was body language. It was watching Jean-Luc Picard, like, sort of, like, duck and dive and take his shots. That's what was feeling weird to me. It wasn't, it wasn't the way it was... I mean, I guess that's part of the writing as well, but it was more of the body language and how it was performed. It felt okay. awkward. It felt like these two people... Who are still in the uniform are are like getting into it essentially. They're, they're they're really treating it like they're you know it felt more like they're I don't know playing a light gun game or something like that. Like that's what it, that's that's what it felt like. But it, it was Patrick Stewart doing it, so it felt a little bit silly. <laughs> Nothing Patrick Stewart does ever feels silly, and that's just a fact. No, that's feels silly, and I, I, this is why I, I come back to my original point. That you, for some reason, you want to fight me on. Is that I feel like if this was a forty-year-old who's a forty-year-old now, more than likely it would play off a bit more naturally. I get the feeling that Patrick Stewart, uh, at least at this point, had probably not played many video games. Or, I mean, even hell, even someone who had played video games in the, the late eighties. I, I mean, this was so far ahead of what anything what existed in yeah. the eighties. It was borderline inconceivable to actually be able to play anything like that at home. Yeah. So, so maybe any maybe anyone would have felt as awkward in, at the time period. But I, I feel like it. 
I feel like now either it would feel better or the people on set would realise this feels stupid, let's, let's do it a different way. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I would say in, in argument to this at this point, you know, before I finish it off, is having seen more than enough people using VR mm-hmm. and getting way too into it and kind of falling over themselves because they're kind of caught up in, in what's around them that is not real. I don't know. This didn't play that weird for me. Ah, but that almost goes back in favour of your original point where... They're not supposed to be phased by this. This is everyday normalcy for them. So they're yeah. not tripping over themselves. They shouldn't be. This is this yeah, is. I don't feel like he's tripping over himself. You know, to that extent. I'm just saying he's into well, it. What was your act- phrase? I'm using the phrase you you brought to the table. Oh, yes. No. I think that's what VR people have done, right? You know, is, is they get really into it and then oh, you know, extended the, that a little bit. VR but in people. This, they, these these VR people. Walking around. Yeah, yeah. VR people. They're a, they're a species unto themselves. <laughs> oh, dear. I've just We've said, spent so long on this, and it's actually a good episode. That was a great episode. I've just... I've just all I'm saying <laughs> is that the visual of them two standing there, sort of ducking and dodging and firing their phasers, but having this casual conversation in between, just felt a little bit weird, is all I'm saying. Just a little bit weird. Like, it felt like they were trying to show off the how advanced the holodeck was, but in doing so, it felt a little bit goofy. Okay. You know? So, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, of course, Picard says, oh, she gets someone on a Klingon ship, and Riker's all too quick to go, oh, I'd volunteer for that assignment, sir. I'll do it. At, f- at first, when this comes up, it feels like Picard's already picked him. Oh, yeah. And he's like, we just need a someone to volunteer. <laughs> And it's just like, how about, how about you, Riker? You know, it feels like it's going to go down that path. And then Riker just jumps right in. It's like, hey, I want But he this. never does. He never actually suggests Riker. Riker no, no, hops he in, jumps first. in first. Yeah, he does. But mm. it feels like Picard almost thinks it's kind of he's getting one over on him. Like, oh, mm. I'm going to throw him in on this. And he can't turn it down. And then Riker just ruins all his fun. I don't know if I agree with that. If, if Picard thinks he's playing him, then he's played him to a, a T and it's worked perfectly. He's succeeded. Riker's not ruined anything. Riker's just played into his hand even better than he could have ever imagined. No, no, no. In the sense that Picard thinks Riker's going to hate this and I'm going to, it's going to be, he, I'm going to suggest it and it's going to be an obligation that he has to do it. Where, uh, uh, you oh, know. I, don't, I don't think he ever thought he was going to hate it. I, I think this felt more to me like he's trying to prod him into it. Uh, uh, but not in a way that he's always going to hate doing this. I never got that impression. Oh no! I in the sense that you know, like when you would do with your friends, like you know, in, in a, like oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them go and do something that they're not going to enjoy that much, but it's going to be funny. And that's almost the feeling I got f- from him here. Nah, I never quite got that. But I mean, whatever. Uh, so Riker goes to Worf and basically tries to get some advice and Worf informs him of, of so how some of the hierarchy works and how if the captain's seen as weak the first officer's duty is to kill the captain uh, second officer likewise for the first officer um, obviously Riker's a little bit taken aback by this he's like well that's a bit dangerous uh, he's like hey it's worked for hundreds of years <laughs> we've been thriving um, so you know yeah. that's what it is uh, he also later on gives him like a little homing beacon uh, just in case something goes wrong, it's a security precaution. Little, little Chekhov's uh, beacon, as it were. Um, yeah. This whole conversation is just Chekhov's conversation, isn't it? Like you know, all of this stuff. With, <sighs> hey, you know, 
It, it, you know, should there be a you know, show, show a strength? You might have to take out the captain and you know, and take out you know, and take their place. All of this just feels like okay, we're doing some variation of this later in the episode. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, he also tries to get used to some Klingon food. Uh, there's a whole scene where he's sitting there and uh, uh, what's the face, Doctor. Pulaski, I had to think yeah. of her name was there. <laughs> Pulaski's there, and Picard comes in at one point as well, and he's sitting there eating all these disgusting-looking Klingon There's food. So much as well, and it yeah. just me think, you know, it's a pretty full table. Waiter comes over, like six more plates arrives, like bring them on. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't no part of this, especially later on when he gets the the living version of whatever it was, the the snaily-looking one. What is it with Raker having to eat snails and maggots and shit? Like, yeah, that doesn't seem more worms one. in this one. Clearly, Frakes has no problem putting some 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 wriggling worms in his mouth. Oh, oh! I want no part of it. I want no part of it. Um, but yeah, so it gets all ready, and I, I like I, again we got an all little O'Brien moment this episode. Like not a ton, but like he has a few lines when Riker yeah, gets into the. Not as much as last time, but enough to establish him as a a recurring character now with dialogue to, rather than just a background to, figure. To the point where I feel like I'm expecting him now to be in the transport room almost every time they go in. Like, just these two episodes have made it feel like he's the one who should be in there now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but he's like, are you not, you're not scared? He's like, no. He's like, oh, I'd be scared. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and like we said, he gets into a fight with the second officer to prove his strength. Um, and then we have this scene at the dinner table where he's... He's uh, munching away in the food, but he won't eat the, the one last thing that's alive. And they kind of question his, his uh, bravery. He's like, well, if that's too strong for you, I'm sure some of the females here would be willing to breastfeed you. <laughs> and they all kind of laugh. And it's kind of this bonding moment where Raker kind of like laughs along with them at one point, especially when he cracks a joke because uh, uh, Brian Thompson from Buffy, <laughs> I don't know what his name was in this, second officer or something. Uh, he uh, he's like, oh, so some of the because one of the women Klingons start talking to him, and there's like another, there's like two of them, and like, oh, they're wondering over there to themselves if you could handle uh, handle them. And Raker sort of pauses, looks a bit uncomfortable for a second, and goes, uh, one or both, <laughs> and then they all sort of laugh. It's kind of a joke that they all get in on. And this, it's just, this is probably my favorite scene in the episode. It's a really good scene. It's just this moment where. Uh, because obviously the second officer up until this point was very confrontational with him, but they kind of he sees a little bit of himself in him here. It's and both Riker and him admit that they didn't really imagine the others c- could laugh. Like we didn't imagine humans could laugh. We didn't imagine Klingons could laugh. I think would have. Yeah, but they're getting on the banter, and it is re- it is relatively good natured banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. And the scene ends with Riker eating the live thing, so it's almost like you know I'm going to prove that I can do this because we're, we're bonded. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it. So I think. Um... One of my favorite bits in this scene as well was talking, you know, the Klingons talking about their fathers. Mm. And, you know, you know, and I think it was that the captain talks about how, you know, his died gloriously in some battle. And, you know, Riker asks, you know, the, the, the second, and he's like, oh, what about yours? And he's, you know, he's ashamed that, you know, he, he was taken prisoner but not killed. And now he's back on the home planet just waiting to die. And there's nothing worse. And, you know, and and you know, Riker's like, yeah, but you know, surely he's, he's, he's your father. So you you care? And he's like, no, that's not the Klingon way. And he's like, you know, I can't. You know, we couldn't comprehend doing that. And and Riker's like, yeah, well, yesterday I didn't know how to eat this stuff, and then you know, hmm. goes for it. And uh, you know, they give him a lot. It's like, all right, yeah, fair enough. Okay, maybe we can learn from you. Yeah, no, there's a nice bonding. It was nice to instead of a Klingon ship as well and get like a proper Klingon. You know, bridge I, and I love the the 
I was just bathed in red light. Mm. It's gorgeous. Everyone's just going to grey me. Dingy way, yeah. Yeah, everyone's grey me. Um, and of course, they all say that the plot is that the Benzite, um, uh, what did I say his name was? Uh, Menden. Uh, he he's struggling to kind of get into like the rules of the Enterprise because it, he's, he's no Riker. He he keeps trying to. Well, he's not replaced Riker. He's because he's, he's. No, no, I mean in the sense that Riker picks up what he's supposed to be doing. Oh, sure, on the sure. Ship. Uh, but he um he keeps correcting things that oh there could be improvements to this system and he corrects a couple of people. He corrects Wesley, who's try you know Wesley's mostly been nice to him. Um. But you know he he does but when and at one point you know he interrupts the captain and you know Picard has to kind of like sort of tell him like oh it's, it's okay I'm not mad like you know uh, we didn't we didn't make it clear what the rules were you know with this kind of exchange blah 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 and there's a moment at the end of this where where Worf's just like because uh, he says oh you can go go with your uh, you can entertain you know Lieutenant Commander Worf with your with your concerns and Worf just comes over at the end and goes yes entertain me. <laughs> oh that's yeah. great and then later on when he gets out of trouble um after the scene plays out Worf just comes over and goes and afterwards i will teach you about enterprise etiquette <laughs> and just walks off i was like oh you're pissing him off so much it's great uh, yeah but the big thing that he does though is that when they're making the exchange with the klingon ship and putting raker over there is that he scans the, the klingon ship the bird of prey and finds a just a weird anomaly, something on the hull, something strange. Some sort of life form that's not registering. It's like a bacteria. It's not like anything big. It's just a simple yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then you know later on the Enterprise, it's like, oh hey, there's some, there's a problem on the hull. Something's there, and it ends up being the same stuff. And this is when the Ben says, oh, I detected something similar on the Klingon ship. And Picard's like, oh yes, how did you report it to? He's like, no one. He's like, what? Well, it, I have not fully finished analyzing it and. You know, when he's at, he's probably to answer or explain why. He's like, well, that's just not the Benzite way. We don't report anything until we fully analyze it and have a complete report and know all the answers. Uh, yeah, more importantly, have a solution. Is yeah, you know, they, they don't want to go to a superior officer until they have a way to fix the problem. Yeah, uh, which makes me wonder, like, how Benzite ships even operate because I feel like they'd all be dead. But you know, in situations like this, if he'd waited until he'd finished his analysis, like maybe not this one because they did find a yeah. solution, but like. You know, obviously, because obviously they just get data to pair up with them to finish things off yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. Uh, so he causes a lot of things. But the more interesting part of this, though, is that on the Klingon ship, when they detect that they've got a problem, because uh, once they have realized that the Klingon ship has it as well, Picard's like, okay, try, let's try and find them and intercept so that we can warn them, because they may not know they've got a problem. Let's try and help them, as Picard would do. Uh, but on the Klingon ship, when they discover something's up, they're like, oh, there's a thing eating through our halls. Or there's a... Luckily, it was a part of the ship that can contain the uh, the pressure and it's not a big deal yet, but it's going to keep growing. Yeah. And they're like, the, the only ship we've encountered recently is the Enterprise. And right away, Raker's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then, they and then they go, and there was a really intense scan done on this particular area. Yes. And the beautiful part of this is that we know exactly what that was. That was that was the Benze uh, Mendelin uh, doing yeah. this. But they're like, "What sort of beam have you got that caused this?" And Rekker's like, "None. I, I can't explain this. I, I, I don't know what's going on." Um, and it becomes this thing where they want to attack the Enterprise, so they cloak up. They're getting close, and Raker he, he pulls a lot of a sly move here. Where he's like, "I'll oh, get get within forty thousand. Uh, what was the measurement? I can't remember. Was it meters? Feet? I don't I think know. It was, I think it was meters the mirrors yeah whatever uh but get with them forty thousand because that you'll, you'll, you'll hit them better from that range the, the the shields won't handle it as well or whatever he says uh but what we find out in the enterprise and the opposite side of this 
is that that's the, the safe distance for uh, the teleporter beam. And Riker intentionally shows off his little doohickey uh, in front of the captain, and the captain demands that he turn it in, so he does. So it's the captain who gets beamed across. There's a there's another great confrontation between them before that as well, mm. um, in that the captain's like, right, okay, tell me all about the Enterprise's capabilities, its its its, its weaknesses, what, what what's going to work best. And Riker just refuses, like, no, no, no. I, you know, I swore an oath of loyalty to you, and I will, you know, if we if we have to fight the Enterprise and I have to die, I will die with you, no problem. But I'm not betraying my oaths to, to Starfleet and giving away all their secrets. And what's funny to me about this is that had the captain be smart enough, he would have realized that the little tip about getting that close to fire their weapons would actually count as him breaking that oath if he really thought about it. Possibly. Um, but what he, I did, like, you know, at, at the end of that, the, the captain's like, do you know what? No, I can respect that, you know. And if you'd told me, I'd have assumed you were a coward and I'd have killed you for, for you know, breaking your oaths to stuff. Yeah, he'd assumed you were a traitor. But no, what I like about that is, is that he could have caught him out in that. He could have yeah. caught him that what he was doing was kind of shady, um, but he didn't. But I like that that's there for us. I like that we, we can kind of look at that and go, wait, he actually just kind of did technically. I mean, obviously it's not true. He lied about it. But if that was true, he did actually just break his oath to Starfleet if it was. Yeah. And the captain could have maybe noticed that and called him out. He didn't. Uh, and of course, by doing this, he takes command of the, the bird of prey, the Klingon ship, and he demands that his orders be followed to uh, lower the cloaks. And the smart thing here is that not only does he demand to be taken seriously as captain because now the captain's gone and he was the first officer, but when the the, the, the guy at the control booth is like, uh, but no, but we'll be destroyed. Uh, instead of trying to explain what, why he's doing this or what he's going to do, because Riker knows that Picard's not coming to attack. He knows that this is going to be a peaceful resolution. But what he does is that he puts it in a way that the Klingons will respect, where he yells at him and says, and if we die, we'll die in the glory of battle. So lower yeah. the goddamn cloaks. And, and then demands that Picard surrender. And Picard gets what he's doing. Picard kind of smirks and goes, yes, of course, uh, lower the shields right away. Everyone, whatever you say. Yes, we'll surrender. Um... So it makes it makes uh, Riker look very strong in front of the Klingons, and I love that you know when the captain does beam back aboard, uh, Riker lets him punch him because he wants this captain to regain his own strength on his ship. And the second officer, uh, you know, look from Buffy, uh, picks up and he's because again, go back to their first you know their first encounter. It was very aggressive, confrontational. Now he's helping him up and saying. You really do kind of understand this, because even he understands what he just did. He he willingly he, he did, did this. It was a, a sacrificial, you know, take the hit to to let the captain look appear strong. Because and he, everyone knows he's not really, you know, the, the, nothing really changed there. It's just all on appearance, though, and yeah. that's that's important. Because of course, them. what he just did was make him look weak by the whole beaming trick. So he yeah. had to kind of re reinstate his stature. He show that the captain is stronger than Riker. And by doing that, he deserves his position, and mm. that you know he's not just trying to usurp the position back. Yeah. So, no, really neat. And then the final little touch, which which I thought was good, uh, is the final shot as the music plays as the ship riding off into this into space as it often does. Uh, had had the bird to pray side by side, they were both yeah. flying off together. So it was a nice, neat kind of uh, thing. But at the same time, it also played true to what we know Klingons are because the captain. Um, no matter how much Riker protests and says, no, it must be peaceful, you're, you're jumping, you're, he's like, no, I don't believe it, they're going to attack us, they, they want to kill us, so we're going to kill them first. Like, you know, it does play true to what we know about Klingons from the past. Yeah. Um, so, and it, does, it again shows how different Worf is, because Worf was raised away from Yeah, yeah, he's uh, other Klingons. totally unique uh, amongst his, his species. 
Yeah, uh, which makes him because I, I often I think I often think of Data as the as the as the Spock of this show, but it's kind of split between him and Worf. They, they both kind of have different parts of the qualities. They do. Um, so they've got they've got two uh, Spocks essentially in the show. Oh, not that which, they're both. Which, yeah, not directly, but it kind of makes sense in that we've got a a significantly larger principal cast. Because uh, you know, really on on original series, we just had the three of them. Um. Whereas here we, you know, don't know there were others around, but it was the core trio. Whereas here, I would say there's a, a lot more of them vying for that top slot. Yeah, I, I think it is more of an ensemble. Um, I, I definitely do think Picard, Riker, and Data are the the trio. Uh, if we're doing a trio again, but I do think the 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 other four or five of the main cast get a bit more to do than say, you know, Chekhov and Sulu and and Ahura yeah. and so on. Um. So maybe Scotty is probably the only one who could rival, in terms of you know in terms of these other ones. The Scotty was definitely game. fourth. He was definitely the fourth yeah. one on the. On and the I cast. think he's the only one that rivals a lot of this group in this one compared to like you say, mm. you know, Sulu Chekhov. But the, they've all had. I think at this point they've all had an episode at least, if not a couple, uh, focused yeah. on them, which is something that we never we never get an episode focused just on like Sulu <laughs> in the original series. That never happened. Not really. He he maybe had extra moments in some episodes than others. Yeah, but it was never like a foot. Whereas we've had episodes of focused entirely on like one of these characters going through something and having an arc or uh, learning about I their mean, backstory. Last episode was Pulaski's episode, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. And she's she's only been around for eight episodes. Um, even Tasha got a couple. One of one of which was our big <laughs> death episode, of course. But she yeah, got a couple. It counts. Yeah, <laughs> Code of Honor was. Kind of hers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, but that's when you really saw the episode. I, I have very little to complain about. And despite the fact that we spent five minutes talking about that that uh, simulator scene, um, ultimately that's a, a quibble that's just amusing to me more than anything. It's not an actual complaint. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's biggest complaint is t- too much Wesley. You know, at the end where he, he's coming up to, to the bed, I go, oh, hey, you know, it's fine, we'll help you. And he's like, why? It's like, because we're friends. I'm like, you don't even know each other yet. You're not friends. Okay, friends is a stretch, but I think you're being a bit cynical here. He's, he's clearly trying to extend the hand to show that this is how we treat each other. He is, but he's being a little shit about it. Oh... <laughs> uh... I mean, the amount of Wesley in this episode is still much less than most of season one. I, I, this is a fine it amount. Is, it is, but it's more than I've become accustomed to. <laughs> oh well, and it's a solid episode. Uh, the the actual the drama uh, between between uh, Raker and the Klingons was great. Uh, the the growth between them, the mythology building, uh, it was all really solid stuff. Um, mm. And yeah, I. Yeah, I'm a happy, happy fellow, and the next one's apparently even, even better because it's a really famous episode. So okay, because I think we're both in agreement that this is probably the best episode we've had of the show to date. I think it is. I think this is and the best episode. If 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 it manages to top that, the following episode, I'll be impressed because I you know I I finish this and go, <clears throat> okay. I'll be surprised if that's not in our top five come the end of the season. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be surprised as well. Um, well, for the record, that had an 8.1 average on IMDb. The next one has a 9.1. That is significantly That's uh, significant. The Measure of a Man is the title of the episode. It's one that I have heard of. Uh, yeah. 
uh, before, which is why I know it's a big episode because I'm like, oh, okay, I've heard of like maybe three if or four you've heard episodes. Of the title, it must be big, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard of this. I've heard uh, uh, best of both worlds, or at least something close to that is the yeah, the, the, the Borg yeah. episode. Uh, obviously, the finale is uh, uh, all good things. Yeah, all good things. Um, um, I mean, it's the finale, so to be expected. And there's one or two other things that I'm sure I've heard of that will pop up. But anyway, so here's a, here's a description on IMDb for the next one. When Data resigns his commission, rather than be dismantled for examination by an inadequately skilled scientist, a formal hearing is convened to determine whether Data is considered property without rights or a sentient being. Yeah, I can see why this might be good. Money on Pulaski having to save the day. After being, you know, uh, yeah. just a terrible person all season. I'm going to say it. If that's the case, if Pulaski ends up coming out and is almost a linchpin and convincing everyone that he is a person and not just a, a machine, or, you know, or as, as it says, a sentient being is maybe more accurate, yeah. but you know what I mean, um, and he should have rights, then I'll actually credit them for setting that up well, that in the first, you know, third of this season, she has been very kind of ro- robot racist the whole, the whole I time. I would say they might have been a little one note still with it, but at least okay. the point will have been made. Uh, so yeah. I'll give them credit overall. Yeah, I'm sure, maybe about one note, but I mean, I don't think Eth in the original series, like, sort of, like, laid a foundation like that for it oh, to no, pay off. No. And so, you know, we'll see. Um, so not looking forward to it, but that's the next episode. Uh, so this is this has been a matter of honor. This has been the best episode of Next Generation so far for our money. Um, I mean, obviously we had a couple of strong ones in season one, but I would say I like this more conspiracy. I think this did more for me than that. Yeah, me too. So looking forward to next week. Um, and the widely considered worst episode of the entire show happens to be the season finale of this season. I discovered that recently. Um, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's a real come down after after this. Well, Joey, Joey, the first thing I was about it is that it was because it was a writer strike that year, so they had to end the season early. And do you know what this finale is? And I don't know how we're going to do this. How we're, we're going to be talking nonsense because it's a clip show. <laughs> so we are going to have a blast uh, with that episode. <laughs> there's some wraparound stuff, so there's some stuff sure, to talk about. But... Sure. A clip show episode after only two seasons. It's because of the writer strike. It wasn't. No, that's desperate. Yeah, it's well, not because. Yeah, it's not because they wanted to do it. It's because oh shit, we have to just quickly. Like... But like, like usually when you get a clip show episode, it's after four or five seasons. There's... Don't get me wrong, I don't enjoy them ever. But at least there's a lot of material to pull well, from at that point. Here's the thing: clip shows are a relic of a time when you couldn't really watch episodes any other way than just a weekly. I mean, some people would tape them, sure, but like. Yeah. The idea of like being able to revisit seasons and what you know really get to know the past seasons is something that came in with DVD and that kind of that era. So now clip shows feel like this thing that's just utterly pointless because we're like, no, we remember all these scenes because we just binged the past two seasons. Like we know we know all these scenes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Whereas, like you say, usually it's like season five, and you know it's been like four years since season one aired, so maybe your memory's a bit hazy. So this it's it's, 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 it's a way of like reminding you of a couple yeah. of key moments, and also it's tends to be quite cheap so they like that um but I, have to teach, there's just not that much to draw on material wise i wonder i wonder if that was a big re- one of the big reasons why they went from like 26 episodes to 22 just in general across the board for tv shows is because well why don't we just save money by having a few less episodes than having to like squeeze a clip show in is one of them I mean, it's possible. I mean the, the argument for having more episodes assuming the same cost per episode is that assuming they're making their money on their advertising, etc., 
you know, more episodes is a good thing. It's, it's not the same cost. Per it's, it's not the same cost per episode. It, it's not. They get a budget for the season, then they distribute their budget where they need see fit. They, they do, yes. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, if you've got the same, but like, let's just say, in theory, I'm just going to use a nice round number, 100,000 per season, and you, you can spread that over 26 or 22, if you can air 26 episodes, you've got, you know, four extra you know, uh, weeks to get advertising revenue on your on your show traditionally. Hundred thousand. It was just a nice round figure for the sake of splitting in people's minds. Okay. But Christ, surely ten million would have been <laughs> just as easy to split. Probably, <laughs> but it just it was the first number that came to mind. It wasn't accurate. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't even think in the late eighties they were making a season of Star Trek: The Next Generation for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Again, that was not at all the implication I, I was making. I'm fairly, I'm fairly certain each episode on their own were probably more than $100,000. Yes, they were. It was just a nice round figure. It was the first round figure that, that my brain plucked out. Yeah, so I said about your brain the better. Uh, that has been... Uh, me- sorry, not Measure of Man. That's next week. That has been a matter of honour. And, of course, notable because we had another Buffy future Buffy star yes, in that's there. what was notable about that was this. what was notable he was playing a Klingon uh, we'll see if he pops back up because I know a lot of actors who do like makeup stuff in Star Trek uh, from next gen onwards do come back in different roles because you know it's like, oh they're different aliens so why not <laughs> I mean that's true for a lot not even just in Star Trek in general like makeup actors you know, the, you oh know, sure they, sure they, you know like you say you know, in, in Buffy he did two different heavily makeup roles because they tend to be good at it yeah, I mean, he. I mean, it was pretty obvious in Buffy. It wasn't something Buffy did a lot, though. Whereas I think Star Trek became because the amount of times that like Tara's mentioned an actor on Star Trek and then said, "Oh yeah, he played like five roles like across across next gen, deep space style. He played you know two in that show, two in that. You know, yeah. Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator was brought up. Like, um, I feel like Star Trek's particularly notorious for it. But uh, yeah, any any type of show that has lots of makeup roles, you know, whether that be because they've got demons and vampires or aliens or whatever, but yeah anyway yeah. uh that has been episode eight of season two of next gen we will see you next week for season uh, season <laughs> episode nine um uh I, i'm all for counting picard season one as uh season eight of next gen if anyone has any <laughs> any any problems with that spiritually speaking spiritually speaking uh of course but uh yeah so that is what you thought of the episode in the comments like and subscribe all that stuff get us on the twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates if you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here you can do that a number of ways uh you can of course rate the audio podcast feed uh, the star trek viewers log feed uh gives a five stars on apple Podcasts. it helps more people find us uh you can support us even more so financially over at patreon.com slash tv we can support us for as little as one dollar per month and you get some stuff uh, early including the star trek reviews you also get some bonuses for some of the other shows we do um and that's just for the one dollar obviously the more you get the higher tiers such as get your name at the end of the videos or stuff like that so go and have a look and see if there's anything that you would like to get uh but more importantly just uh you know feel feel nice that you're keeping all the content coming and ensuring that it does so uh but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching star trek and to everyone but connor live long and prosper <laughs>